Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about movies off of the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay, and with me, as always, is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm pretty good now that I never have to watch this movie again. We are watching a film (laughs) that has been described as one crafted in the traditions of European surrealist cinema, recalling elements of George Millet's moving picture postcard tricks. God, are you serious? The Salvador Dali, Louis Bunel collaboration, Unchi and Andalou, John Cocteau's (laughs) Beauty and the Beast, Henry George Clouseau's Diabolique, and William Cameron Menzies' Invaders from Mars. Who wrote that? The classic elements are all here. Time, space, disorientation, a nightmare come reality, primal mists, moving still photographs, mirrored images, hands thrust through the ground, (laughs) and a portal to another time dimension. Okay, wait. Who stated this, and how much money did the makers of this movie pay this them? Was, this was at the bottom of the IMDb trivia section, which wow. uh, may have been written by someone who worked on the film. I don't know. Okay. But, uh, or maybe just a big fan. All right. Um, <clears throat> we are talking about today, number 190. That's a pretty big a big uh, talk up for the movie that's at number 190 on our list. Yeah. Which is 1979's Phantasm. Mm. With a 74% Rotten Tomato score. I'd like to say before we begin, this is the first show we will be doing where I'm actually drinking hard liquor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking some, uh, what what kind of tequila is this again? Say a uh, Reposado tequila. Oh, it's very good. It's very good, yes. Yeah. we uh, Thank you to my girlfriend's friend, Sully, for giving us that. Straight from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because I need it. Because... <laughs> I tried not to go into too much, too in depth on the last the lead up to this because you hadn't yes. seen Phantasm before. Correct. But um, I very much do not like this movie, and this was a <laughs> this was a two out of three strikes for me movie where I had mm-hmm. seen it twice before, and I wanted to see it the third time to see how whether or not my opinion of it has changed. I legitimately tried to watch this with an open mind. Yes. And I'm going to spoil it and say that nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that this movie originally was three hours long? <gasps> Wait, really? Yeah, there was a three-hour cut of this movie. No. That, oddly enough, kind of explains a lot. If you think about how this movie is kind of cut and put together, it seems like... <laughs> it's <laughs> it's kind of baffling to me because it's it was three hours long, yet it's cut down to just about 90 minutes and still yeah. features some of the most pointless scenes in a film yeah, I've ever seen in my life. That's what I was just thinking. You would think if something was originally a three-hour movie and they cut it to one and a half, that it would be like jam-packed, like non-stop yeah, so. action. And this is kind of a very boring movie. <laughs> yes. 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 Had you had you seen this before? No. 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 And you had told me you were excited to watch this yes. and like it. Yes, I was very, like, I was raring to go. I was so excited to be contrary to you in opinion on this one. And I was hoping you would be. Yeah. Because something about this movie has just, I know a lot of people really like this. Who and, and why? <laughs> and I, I don't want this to be, I obviously, I don't think we're going to have a ton of great things to say, but I don't want us no. to just shit talk this the entire time. Because I no, know no, no. people, there's six of these. 
I mean, I knew there were multiple. Yeah, every but I did time not know I there were six. Every time I feed you a new fact about this series, I see the color drain from your face more. <laughs> Just give me more tequila. I yeah. will be fine. Yeah, there are six. I think six. Yes, I think there's six. Wow. Um, and uh, I don't want to completely just run it over the coals, but uh, uh, there's about there's bound to be some coal running happening. Yeah. Um, were you familiar at all with the franchise? Had you had you heard of it at all? Uh, I think I've like heard of it. I know I've seen. I think like the this sort of '80s style movie poster mm-hmm. with like the the sort of uh, artist renderings, almost of like the 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 tall man's face, sure. like those kind of things. But I I didn't really know anything about it. Yeah, it's a weird movie because it does have two fairly iconic horror things from that era which are mm. angus scrim's tall man yes and the silver flying balls <laughs> yes um, okay a lot of other stuff in this movie not quite as iconic as that and kind of gets forgotten about i think can't wait but uh we're gonna take a quick break play the trailer and then we're gonna talk about phantasm phantasm is it a nightmare Phantasm. Is it an illusion? Phantasm. Is it an evil? You have to take me home. No questions. You must take me home. Phantasm. Is it a fantasy? scare you. You're already dead. Phantasm. Okay, Phantasm from 1979. 74% Rotten Tomatoes score. Directed by Don Coscarelli. Written by Don Coscarelli. Starring A. Michael Baldwin, Bill Thornberry, Reggie Bannister, Angus Scrim, and some angry, angry, shiny, shiny balls. Amanda, <laughs> what happens in Phantasm that you can explain to the best of your ability? <laughs> Thank God for these write-ups. The residents of a small town have begun dying under strange circumstances, leading young Mike to investigate. After discovering that the tall man, the town's mortician, is killing and reanimating the dead as misshapen zombies, Mike seeks help from his older brother Jody and local ice cream man Reggie. 
Working together, they try to lure out and kill the tall man, all the while avoiding his minions and a deadly silver sphere. That's a better movie, I think. Yeah, when I read the summary, I was like, I'm going to like this. This sounds fun and insane. Yeah, they really tightened that up quite a bit. For the, I was expecting... I wasn't sure how that was going to go. I was kind of expecting it was going to be one of those one-sentence ones yeah. where it's like Michael and his brother investigate strange deaths at a cemetery yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Clay, mm-hmm. this time around I've done something slightly different mm-hmm. for the things you will find in this movie. Mm. The things you will find in this movie that make it sound a lot cooler than it actually is include... yes. Underage drinking. Sweet. Underage driving. Sweet. Voyeurism. Sweet. Child abuse. Sweet. False imprisonment. Sweet. Breaking and entering. Sweet. Trespassing. Sweet. Assault. Not so great. Murder. Sweet. <laughs> yes. And when you put all those things together, this sounds like, a, like oh my God, this movie must be insane. It sounds like it's all over the place. You didn't even mention uh, a sick 1971 Plymouth Barracuda. No. Uh, anatomically awkward graveyard sex. Yeah, that was weird. An impromptu ice cream man jam session. <laughs> Fake Dream Brothers and uh-huh. the state of California's entire supply of faux marble laminate. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, <laughs> let's take a step back. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Sipper tequila. Does this movie work? as a prequel to the Star Wars trilogy in its explanation of where Jawas come from. Uh, Yes. Yes, it does. Interestingly enough, this movie was actually (laughs) in the process of filming when Star Wars came out. Oh. And it was a complete coincidence that they both... They were just short creatures in dark brown cloaks that you can't see their faces. You really could draw the connection if you wanted to because they do seem to be some sort of alien race or on something a desert planet made up of well we're gonna get to that in a bit too <laughs> um yeah okay so the only the only explanation for how this movie works and i say explanation and i would say excuse or trying to cover your ass is um dream logic are you generally a fan of movies that function with a dream logic kind of approach I, I don't know if it's it's like a hard and fast yes with me. It's Have not, we talked about this before? I don't really... Th- maybe. I mean, we've been is doing this, this for like a year and a half. Is this in and of itself so. a dream logic state <laughs> we're in? Maybe. Drink your tequila. It'll okay. be fine. Um, you know, there there are... Uh, you know I'm a big David Lynch fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there are several weird-ass movies that... You you would have a tough time making linear sense of that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the reason I dislike this movie. Fair. Like, I will say when when I realized that that's what the movie had been going for the whole time, I was really ready to sort of reassess it. Mm-hmm. And then the very ending happened, and then I kind of rewatched it today and still disliked it. Yes, so, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I am generally a fan of, of dream logic type stuff. It all depends on the way that it's handled. Like, yeah. I, I'm also a, a, a big David Lynch fan, um, and he manages to create uh, terror and dread using pretty much nothing. Yes. Um, <laughs> Whereas this movie used pretty much everything yeah and i and i, and I don't want to compare them because obviously stylistically they're very different but mm. this 
There, there's a movie called The Limey that I really like. It's a Steven Soderbergh movie oh. uh, from like the late 90s. And it's about a uh, English gangster whose daughter lives in California and ends up dead. And so the gangster comes to California to figure out what happened to her. Yeah. And it's very, it's cut in a very nonlinear way. Okay. And it's a really interesting uh, a pr- stylistic approach to telling a story that is is very much trying to emulate memory and uh, <clears throat> recollection and how that can be not necessarily linear and, sure. and, and kind of abstract and stuff. And I think it does a really great job at that. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is kind of trying to do that, but it doesn't, it's not really committing for me. Yeah. There's so much of it that, and and also the dream logic aspect of it doesn't really come into play until the end, and then at the end they don't commit to it either. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and I think that's that's where this goes really awry for me. Like mm-hmm. the fact that it's kind of it's like you said, it's maybe not quite an excuse, but it's definitely like oh yeah, dream logic to like justify everything mm-hmm. that this movie does. But I don't. I just don't think it goes far enough. Yeah. Like I, I wish it, it, it kind of like went even further with it or reeled it way back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because there's. I feel like the the core of what's going on here could be really cool, but yeah, I like, mean, I reread that summary and it's like, oh, oh shit, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, that's why it shocks me to to find out that there was a much longer cut because it, this yeah. watching this movie makes me feel like they barely had ninety minutes to fill the time with. Also, like one of the things that I had said to you when we were preparing to watch this movie was, oh, this is a nice, this is a ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. Like this is gonna be a snappy, quick, like want to you know get in, get out, good job. And then when we watched it, I was like, this is the longest movie I've ever watched in my life. Yeah. And it just felt so much longer than it was. And I think it's because there were a lot of these kind of back and forth scenes where it's like, we're going to go to the mausoleum or or the crypt, whatever you want to call that large building. Yeah. Funeral home. Yeah. yeah. We're going to go to the cemetery. We're going to go home. We're going to go back to the cemetery. We're going to go to this other place. Then we're going to go home. Then we're going to go back to the other place. Then we're going to go to the Mm -hmm. cemetery. Then we're going to go home. And you know how much I love... (laughs) action and movement that bounces back and forth between locations yeah yeah there's big a, there's fan big fan a lot of that and it's just a lot of like characters in transit or then characters like sitting in chairs saying like so what are we gonna do mm-hmm. like yeah <laughs> punctuated by truly bizarre moments of action yeah there's there is one of the most baffling scenes i've ever witnessed in a movie mm-hmm <laughs> just one like it almost feels like it was left in by accident like they, hmm. they mixed the ba- the buckets up or something yeah <laughs> and, and accidentally put the cut scene into the movie which is uh and it's just it's a completely nothing scene where jody the older brother goes drives his car back to this bar that he was at the night previous where he met this girl um goes into the bar yes and says to the bartender Hey, did that girl ever come back? And the bartender goes, nope. And that's it. That's the scene. <laughs> then they cut and it never comes up. And it's it's yeah. just uh, they kind of chuckle about the fact that they were making out in the cemetery. And it's like yes. it's it's just a baffling inclusion. Um, well, I, I do want to like I feel like we, we, we as usual are jumping way ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I do want to address the fact that the first maybe like 10 to 15 minutes of this movie, I was still kind of on board. Okay. Like, so this 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 film begins with a mustachioed man. We find out later his name is Tommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting it on with a blonde woman yep. in the cemetery at night. Who is the brother of Jody and Mike, right? Tommy, yes. not the blonde one. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when we see who she is, right. I mean, it could be possible. Ta-da. But, um, but that's yes. the setup, right? That Tommy yes. is their brother. Yes. Got it. Okay. Um, so they are post-coital, and this blonde woman, who's very strangely blocking, like, holding on to only one of her exposed breasts, but not the other one, because in her other hand, she's got a knife. Mm-hmm. And she stabs Tommy and kills him. Yep. And then it cuts to Tommy's funeral. Don't the, forget, she turns into Angus Scrim. She does. Yeah. She turns into the tall man. Yep. So it's this kind of early reveal that I sort of wish they didn't do. Yeah. Would have been kind of cool. They had just been like, wait, what's her deal? Yeah, if they had hung on you know? to that for a bit. Yeah, yeah just, just until until Jody meets her or right. something. Yeah. That would have been like, oh, no, oh, my God. We knew she was a murderer. Now we know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it cuts to the day of Tommy's funeral where Jody is attending in a suit and he has told Mike, his young, his kid brother, his mm-hmm. like probably what, what would you say? Like 13 year old, 12 year old. Uh, or I believe he was 14 when they shot it. So right. yeah. 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 Um, tells him not to come. And this, the, the funeral's weird, mm-hmm. you know, like, like Jody kind of walks around this, uh, very specifically designed crypt area mm-hmm. with the white and black streaked marble, facades on everything and like weird sculptures i will say that has a cool look to it yeah it does yeah so like this this whole like like beginning section where it's like this guy's been murdered in the cemetery then we cut to his funeral in this kind of strange place and 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 people are acting sort of weird about it the tall man the mortician comes and he like you know, says so he he kind of like yells at Jody to like come on the funeral starting and whatever. Yeah, and it's this very sort of weird like you feel like like you know something else is going on and you don't know what. There's got like it's got like a good creepy feeling. It's kind of discombobulating, mm-hmm. and you hear people say, "Oh yeah, Tommy, Tommy killed himself," and it's like, okay, so we we as the audience know he did not. We know he was murdered. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this setup is actually kind of fascinating. So I was ready. And, like, you know, Jody's walking around the crypt and he's hearing these weird, like, gremlin-y noises around. And you don't know what the fuck that is. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just so many things in the first section that I was ready to kind of buy into. Sure. And then... um we we switch to Mike's point of view and Mike goes to this girl's house to see her and her grandmother. Yes. And she's like a, like grandmother is like a mute and like a mystic or something. And the, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I can tell you what she is, is um, <laughs> one of the Bene Gesserit. Yes. Yes. She's a Bene Gesserit witch. That entire scene is pretty much lifted wholesale from the Gamja Bar sequence of Dune. That's very true. Which, uh, not to go off on a tangent, but <laughs> one of the reasons I don't think Dune is going to do very well is, mm. is because, well, I think nobody, most people don't know or care about Dune. But also, it's one of those things where it's like, at this point, so many other things have used so much of the stuff from it that it, it doesn't feel novel 
because everybody else has kind of like vultured it and picked all the stuff away from it and used it in something else? Yeah. I don't know if anybody's done it quite as blatantly as this movie. Maybe, this was maybe Star Wars, real but. blatant. This is where it started to lose me. They even say, essentially, fear is the mind killer. Which... Yeah, they just don't say mind. They just right, say killer. Yeah. And I guess uh, the bar yeah. Jody goes to later is called Dune. So it's it's very clearly a purpose. Like whoever wrote this is a big fan of Dune. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah but I, I just, I, I think part of what what disappointed me about this movie is that there were a bunch of elements that I was really ready to like buy into and yeah. kind of like just be like, all right, you know, this seems like it's going to be a weird kind of crazy ride. I'm ready. Let's do this. And then so much of it just peters out into this like kind of boring kind of like anticlimactic yeah i think i think they really shoot themselves in the foot right around the gom jabbar sequence yeah because i i agree i think from from the beginning in it's like it's just interesting enough to kind of hold your attention and kind of be like okay let's see where this is going yeah and then when they get to that sequence they get this mike is asking uh, is talking to this uh, witch lady about Jody who is going to be leaving and he's really uh, ner- worried about Jody leaving because I believe both of their parents are dead and now Tommy is dead and so he's the only one left. Yeah. And with no warning, they cut into this like long flashback of Jody teaching Mike how to drive the car or at least like watching them bond over driving the car. Yeah. And then he's fixing the car. And then I can't remember if, if the, the jam sequence is in that, <laughs> but it's like it, it, it really kind of swerves off into this long flashback Yeah, that the entire, the only information you get from the flashback is Jody is leaving. Yeah. Which, which is, Mike already said. Yes. I know he wants to leave. I heard him say it. And yeah. then we get this long, boring flashback of like him being like, I hate this town. Yeah. I can't wait to leave it. I feel bad for the kid, but I got to get out of here. Right. It's like, Which okay. you don't even realize is a flashback until no. the end of it. Yeah, until it hops back to where Mike was. And then it's like, oh, oh, okay. I guess that already happened. Yeah. And that, I think, derails it pretty substantially. Because after that, then you've got the... <laughs> the introduction or the reintroduction of Reggie as the ice cream guy who shows up and they just kind of play the guitar I for a little bit. I have so many questions about Reggie. <laughs> like Reg, well, rightly so. Reggie basically becomes the he's got big Bruce Campbell energy in this movie <laughs> and he is probably the the other 80s uh um horror hero of the same kind of energy as Ash because mm. he becomes essentially the hero of the series. Like he shows oh, up in all the other movies. He's like okay. the he's like the guy, he's the character. He's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy. <laughs> so and, and he's got kind of a similar kind of thing where he's like he's just an ice cream guy and he's just kind of like hanging out and he's kind of a hippie. But I'm so I'm so confused. Like one of, one of my notes is about how I feel like so this this movie came out in 1979, mm-hmm. right? Yes. I feel like Reggie is from 1952. 1952 by way of 1968, I think. He's definitely got right. a lot of like... Right, but like when he's in the ice cream man outfit yeah. with the truck and yes. all that, it's very like this feels like something out of the 50s. Jody feels to me like he's from the 70s. Mm-hmm. 
And then Mike feels like he's from the 80s. Yeah. And it's just like, maybe part of my problem is that like, these characters don't seem to mesh whatsoever. Sure. Yeah. Like, they don't seem to have, like, how do how does Reggie know these people? Were, were they in a band together? I, <laughs> I, like, is, all right, so the, maybe the only, he's Jody's friend? They, uh, they make some mention during the funeral scene of Reggie being like, man, another one of the group gone. Okay. Or something like that. Okay, so. Like they were a, a, a group of friends okay. who hung out. But even still, it's like there's the the connections to any of these people are tenuous at best. Yeah, because then at the end of the movie, Reggie is like Mike's caretaker. Right. I don't know. They just gave this young boy to this this ponytailed ice cream man. Yeah, there's, there's nobody left, I guess. Not to mention <laughs> the fact that jumping to the end. When we find out, I guess the rest of it was a dream? Yes. That Tommy doesn't actually exist. Correct. And Jody is dead. Yes, but he was not killed by a blonde woman who turned into the tall man. No. He died in a car crash. He died in a car crash. Yes. And then the tall man shows up at the end. Yes. In a in a way that doesn't make any sense given to what they were just doing. But, right. Ruining the whole concept that this whole thing was a dream. Yeah. Um, anyway yeah it's it's that that middle section of the movie really drags stuff down (laughs) the middle like 70 minutes yes yes (laughs) yeah i mean like the some of the stuff towards the end is actually pretty good like some of that chase stuff um with the tall man and and the balls and stuff and but there's just so much middle middle of the movie that does really no work for the story or for characters or for creepiness and it just feel it uh the original runtime was more than three hours but the director decided that there was far it was far too long for it to hold people's attention and made numerous cuts to the film some of the unused footage was located in the 90s and became the framework for phantasm 4 oh so there was enough footage of this movie to base another movie around it Uh, yep um having seen phantasm 4 it's it 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 doesn't mesh very well, <laughs> um, but it's like I, I don't. So I, I we were watching this last night. I said, "There's one angle I can think of that I think makes this movie work." Yeah, but I don't I don't believe this as an excuse. But I think if you wanted to 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 use one. It, it could be this, which is, this feels a lot like an Italian movie. It feels a lot like an Italian horror movie from the 70s. Okay. Those, like a Lucio Fulci movie, where those don't really make a ton of sense. The plots are all over the place. There's all sorts of scenes that don't really go together. It's got a banger soundtrack, which I actually <laughs> think the soundtrack in this is pretty good. It's, yeah. It, and even the soundtrack in this reminds me a lot of Goblin, like the, like the stuff they did with Dario Argento and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So it very much feels like that musically. The sort of dream logic structuring of it feels like an Italian movie. Maybe it just goes to show you how much you can get away with if you know it's a foreign movie. And then you're like, well, they don't know how to make movies. 
or you know, I, there's always yeah. there's always like a there's always a, a screen, a diffusing screen up when you're watching a movie, a foreign movie, even right. if it's dubbed in English. Right, right, because you know the people who made it have different sensibilities than American. Yeah, and also just like there's something in the language that gets that that gets blurred, so you kind of give it a pass. Where it's like, I have no idea. I saw a Parasite. I have no yeah. idea if those people are good actors. They could be the worst actors. I don't know. I don't speak Korean, so there's no way to tell. I don't understand the inflections of what they're saying. The script was great, yeah. but I don't know if, if they're any good. That's not true. They are very good. You can tell them yeah, that Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I get what you're saying, though. I, I get what you're saying, where there, there's almost like a an assumed layer of, like, different implications or like cultural differences that mm-hmm. you're kind of willing to chalk things up to when you're like, yeah, but this movie's French. Yeah. It's or, like if you, whatever. Even yeah. if you watch like a British movie. Right, right. Accents there's... make people sound 20 times smarter. Well, and there's tropes and things that are like known mm-hmm. tropes in foreign movies, like in foreign, like in in, in other films. I think, I think in... um. Was it in like Dr. Fibes or something we were talking about this where there was like the the goofy cops? Oh, sure. Yeah. The like bumbling, bumbling detective is kind of like yeah. a very, very common trope in like British films and, and things yeah. like that. This movie, if it were like, yeah, if this if this actually had been an Italian movie or something, I feel like maybe just just because of that, that bias in favor of you know, ooh, artsy foreign films. Maybe we'd be going a little easier on it, but like, I honestly don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing that's missing from this that most of those Italian movies have is that the the Lucio Fulci movies and Dario Argento movies that people remember are yeah. fucking crazy. Yes. Like, top to bottom. Yes. There is not, well, there's a couple dull moments, but generally it's like... Right, once it starts, it just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this unfortunately is not that. Yeah. It is very boring. Like I said, there, there's a couple bright spots. Like the fir- when the ball shows up for the first time, that's cool. Oh but God, even yeah. there, it's like, what? <laughs> I feel like something this movie is missing, even with like the dream logic thing, is like an aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. Like there are some cool looking moments and cool looking shots but there's no coherent style there's no like and i think i think if it had more stylized scenes and and moments in it maybe that would kind of convey more quickly that this is like a dream logic Mm -hmm. sort of concept and and be easier than to get into that kind of reading of it but without that it just feels like a really disjointed collection of weird moments yeah um there's another there's another great pointless scene that i like <laughs> where um mike has broken into the funeral home and is hiding in a mm. casket and yes. then a guy a guy walks into the casket room yep very slowly starts walking towards mike and then the tall man pokes his head into the room and the guy turns around and he walks out of the room. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that and it felt like, yeah, that was one moment where I thought like I had missed something or yeah. then I was like, was something cut from this? Because that made no sense. And like, like, who is this guy? Who is the guy? Is he, he apparently works with the tall man. 
So is he an alien? I don't know. We don't know because then he gets bald to the face in the next scene. <laughs> and he's, he's seemingly only there so someone can get the, the ball in the face. The ultimate teabag. Yes, yes. And the interdimensional teabagging. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 12 years old <laughs> and I've had tequila. But like, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it, that character yeah. is only there to get smashed in the face by the ball so they can show what the ball does. He's not which, explained. He's which, not. And what, 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 what the ball does is shove little silver prongs into the sides of your forehead. Yep. Drill with a cylinder into the spot right between your eyes and your yep. forehead. And then apparently just start sucking out your blood and spraying it out a hole on the other side of the ball. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty good special effect. Like yeah, I mean, yeah, like you can see the, the guy's reflection in the ball when it's drilling into his head and everything. It like yeah, it's it's well it's actually pretty well done. And but like it's that's insane. That's the kind of thing where I feel like once that hits the screen, that should that's that should be like the marker that oh this is gonna get nuts. Yes, but it doesn't. No. It, it it's no, just he one like scene. goes home and he, he, yeah, like, he like, just leaves. Yeah, and there's a lot of explaining, like convincing people of stuff where they got to convince Jody. I mean, luckily he's got a finger that's moving, and so he convinces him pretty quick. But then there's you know Reggie, and there's a whole sequence where there's these Mike is hanging out with these girls, which there's so much. You mean Sally and Susie? Sure. And they're at Sally's antique store, a well-established setting in this film. Yes, great movie for female representation <laughs> and characters. Um, but he uh, he's hanging out with these he's hanging out with these two girls, and then because they're watching him while Jody goes into the mausoleum or whatever. Yeah, and then they end up getting captured by the tall man with Reggie, and then Reggie shows that they think Reggie's dead. <laughs> And then later in the movie, Reggie shows up and just explains that yes. off screen. Yes. He Re- was hiding in a casket. Off screen, Reggie was hiding in a casket and managed to free the two girls and they ran away and they're fine. Yes. And there's a lot of that in this movie where there's a lot of off camera ADR. Yeah. Like piece uh, thread connecting mm-hmm. where you're not seeing anybody's lips move, but you're getting information yes. that's like moving the story along. I do have to interject because all right, so in that in that in that scene where he goes to with, with Sally to mm-hmm. her antique store. Yep. Which annoys the shit out of me because nothing nothing much has happened in this movie. Correct. And it's like probably half or th- two thirds of the way through. When yeah. we get introduced to Sally and her antique store. Introduced is a is that we're that's a I know being that's, generous. I know, I know. <laughs> but there's plenty of time you could have established that character or that connection in a way that would have made it make sense to have him just end up at an antique store. Sure. Because then he finds a photo of the tall man from clearly like two hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be this moment where he realizes that the tall man's not human and he's superhuman or supernatural or whatever. And it's so contrived, like we have to get him to figure out that, like, you know, we have to have this revelation. What can we do? We'll have him go to an antique store. Why would he have to go to an antique store? Well, we'll have Jody send him there. And it's like, oh, okay, we're just going to do that. Yeah. Then he, he yells at the, these two adult women 
Uh, and he says, you know, like, you must take me home. No questions. Take me home immediately or something. He says it just like that, too. Yeah, Mike, he Mike, does. It's really weird. Mike Mike is actually a 70-year-old Englishman. Yes, he kind of is. Madam, <laughs> you must remove me from this establishment. Yes, you Post must haste. take me home. Um, and so they get in their, like, Volkswagen bug, and they're driving down the street. And one of the, uh, we haven't really talked much about them, the Jawa adjacent yes. creatures uh, somehow like gets them to stop and they open the door and <laughs> it's my favorite scene in the whole movie mm-hmm. because you can see the girls like have to like they're pretending to like they're screaming and they're fighting against it and they're thrashing and flailing but you can definitely see them like lift it into the car with them. <laughs> Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's it's really obvious they're the ones doing all the motion, and they're just like, like There's a lot of that. hilariously funny. There's a lot of that, too, because neither of us even mentioned, because I didn't remember it until just now, Yes, the sequence where, for like five minutes, they are capturing a giant bug flying yes. around the house. <laughs> that is just like... Which is, by the way, the finger... Yes. Uh, yes. That Mike has cut off of the tall man try- while trying to escape earlier in the movie. For some reason, we did that already. And then he has this disembodied finger that is a finger for a while. Yep. And then turns into something that looks like it's out of Jim Henson's like Muppet workshop, maybe from like the Dark Crystal or something. Yeah, it looks like, uh, was it Fizzgig? Is that the name of the guy? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But like with red beady fly eyes. Yeah, and and I think all black instead of, isn't Fizzgig brown? Yeah, I think so. Whatever. And nice. And nice. Uh, She's got a lot of teeth. Yeah, it's in like, again, saying this stuff out loud sounds a lot cooler than it actually is. That's like, the problem. That's why I, d- I did my, uh, my, my criminality rundown mm-hmm. at, the, at the top of this episode, because like when you say this stuff... It sounds so insane that you're like, that movie has at at minimum, it's got to be entertaining. Right. Even if you don't like it, it's got to be exciting or interesting or at least it'll move quickly. And it doesn't. Like, I can't, I can't understand how much of this movie is just people kind of like sitting. Yeah. Sitting in the house, sitting in the car, sitting at the cemetery, sitting in the mausoleum, like... There's just so much like sitting and being like, well, what are we going to do? We we have to stop this somehow. What's going on? They're trying to get me. Yeah, there's another That's great it. scene where uh, Mike is off doing something and Reggie's off doing something. But Jody just decided to stay home. I know. <laughs> and then, I know. And he's just like sitting in the chair on like the front porch or some shit. Yeah. And then while shit's going down with Reggie and Mike and they cut back to Jody who just all of a sudden like kind of twitches his head as though he just was trying to remember if he turned the oven off. Right. Right. Or maybe he like dozed off a little bit. And was yeah. Like, Wait, oh, apparently, hmm. th- apparently they were trying to imply that there was some sort of psychic connection between Mike and Jody. No. <laughs> sure. I would like to apologize because we're not doing a great job of not oh, just shit talking this movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of, okay. What did okay. you think? What did you think of the tall man as a character? I was I was into him. Yeah. Like I thought he was I thought he was great. I thought he was creepy and scary. He's just my type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's good. I it yeah. makes it makes sense to me that he's got he a great became, voice. He does, yeah. yeah. It makes it makes sense to me that he became 
kind of like an icon. He entered into the movie horror villain icon iconography. Yeah, and it's it's like such a great idea because there is something like I think especially maybe not so much today, but I, I think there's a lot people have complicated feelings about morticians. Sure. You know, like you are trusting them with your loved ones, but at the same time, I think that there's a lot of people who would think like, well, what kind of person would you have to be to want to become a mortician? Right. You know, like who would even do that? That's, you know, you gotta be such a weirdo if you want to be around dead bodies all day. So like there's sort of this built in like antipathy and like fear towards that kind of figure already because they deal so directly with death. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you add an actor like him who is just is very tall and he's, you know, got this great kind of character face um, and he's got a great voice and just like a really imposing demeanor mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to do much to be scary. Like you don't need no. to dress him up a lot. You don't need to like he never transforms into a giant bug monster and start menacing them, you know? Yeah, I I think there's a couple scenes where they undercut his creepiness a little bit. Mm. For instance, um, the scene where he's... Mike is out doing something and he looks across the street and he sees the tall man just like slow motion funk walking down the sidewalk <laughs> i love the slow motion funk walk. and then reggie opens the back of the ice cream truck letting all the cool air out and the <laughs> the tall man just like stops and takes it in like michael jackson or something <laughs> it's it's so it's like it's one of those things where it's like so does do, does everybody know this guy is he just like does he go to b- restaurants and stuff is he a, a member of the the town that everybody like knows and goes? Oh, there's tall guy, or like it takes a, it takes a little bit of, of the of the mystery mystery away for me. It's, yeah. it's I have I am I have weird like specific things about that stuff too. Like I I don't ever want to see Dracula's feet, and I don't want to see him huh. run because I I saw a movie once. Uh, uh, it was a, a Dracula movie with Jack Palance playing Dracula. Hmm. And in that movie, there's a scene where Dracula runs down a hallway. And I was like, oh, there's something wrong about that. It just feels really weird to see that. Like in Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Yeah. Did it ever occur to you that no one has ever seen Chewbacca's hands until that movie? I mean, I'm not super into Star Wars. Well, it happens. (laughs) There's a scene. It's, you know, Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You never see his hands. I understand what Chewbacca is. It's a cultural icon, Amanda. Come on. Just because I'm not like a Star Wars super fan. I I am married to a Star Wars super fan. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's not Twilight, Amanda. I didn't watch or read that. Yeah. I don't know what. <laughs> Do you even know me? Likely story. I really didn't actually. No, that's that's fine. Yeah, we won't we won't do those movies then. Thank God. Um, but you know, there's just I don't know. I I always find there's like little little yeah. things that can kind of they seem like small details, but for me they take away. But anyway, no, I understand because I think I had a similar reaction in um in our uh, Patreon series on mm-hmm. Friday the Thirteenth. I think oh, I had sure. a similar reaction to Jason in a few installments yes, where definitely. there was some uh, like stumbling around in the background in the woods, and I was like, "That's not cool. You don't want to see Jason coming, right? Like, it's like from like across the meadow or whatever. It's just not as intimidating when he's like, oh, sorry, got to yeah. hop over this route. Be right there, <laughs> coming to kill you.' Yeah, it's like I've said a million times before how I can't watch any of the like later Halloween movies because the mask <laughs> is so bad. Yeah. It's like, well, if you can't get that right, the whole the whole 
the whole painting doesn't work for me. Right. But right. I think for me with the tall man, part of part of part of it for me is he is such a standout of something that I can actually cling on to in this movie as sure, good. Sure. So even those scenes that maybe I would have been more critical of in a different film and this, I'm just like, ah, fine. Yeah, let him, let yeah. him have his funk walk down the sidewalk. Who cares? They, they do some, they do some good stuff with him. Like he, th- there's that one shot. I think it's probably one of the more famous shots of the movie. I think it ended up on the poster mm-hmm. where, um, it's like, they do this like quick zoom out from Mike's bed and the tall yes. man is like standing behind him and they get the light behind him and blasting past him and everything. That's a yeah. great shot. It is legitimately creepy. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I like him I like him as a character. I, I again it's one of those ones where I feel like it, it maybe there's not enough there. I think there's enough there for this movie. Yes. But like I don't I I think this if I remember correctly, this series gets pretty weird. Like even more so <laughs> oh boy. than this movie. Um, but yeah, I, I like him. I like that. <laughs> I like him. I don't know how to feel about his plan or what he's actually been doing, which unless we have not actually said this, which I don't think we have. I don't think we have. The, uh, the evil secret origin of the Star Wars Jawa that we learn in this movie is that these <laughs> Jawa looking dwarf guys are dead bodies that he has somehow shrunken down yes. into like three foot tall reanimated corpses. Yep. Who maintain the same mass as they did when they were a full size person. <laughs> and the reason he does that is because he needs slaves to do something on the planet he's from, which has like stronger gravity than Earth, I think. Yes. Which doesn't make a ton of sense because he's so no. tall. No, it makes no sense. And and the way in which we find this out is Jody, Mike, and Reggie have gone to the crypt mausoleum, funeral home, etc. First of all, sorry, before we get to that. Yes. They find it out because in the, the car chase sequence, the car being driven by one of them crashes and it turns out to be Tommy. Right. Who has been uh, squished, squished down. Squished down. Yes, yeah. to half size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and then they're they're in they're in the the funeral home crypt, and they find a room full of these black canisters mm-hmm. uh, that are full of for a lack of a better word Jawas. I guess. Um, and these two like like hip height silver pillars that, if you go between them, you are sent through to this other planet yep and so mike learned from his gom jabbar that he shouldn't be afraid and should just you know stick his head in the portal sure um which he does and he witnesses them these these jawas like coming out of the canisters and like walking up a sand dune sure and then when he comes when he's pulled back in by back back to our world by jody he's like slaves they're being sent there as slaves and it's like how did you get that yeah from this and then yeah. and then he says they shrink them down because of the gravity and the heat well it just makes i mean <laughs> put do doing the simple math i, I guess uh, yeah i mean didn't you know shorter people don't get hot yeah and that's why danny devito never sweats i don't know if you knew that <laughs> but it's just it's so it's such a weird 
it's it's such a weird way of revealing the grand master plan. Yeah, I I would prefer that they didn't explain it at all. Like I think yeah. that's I think that's kind of one of the things I think this movie hedges its bets a bit too much by trying to explain too much. And at, at this at this point, I'd be like, you know what? Just let it hang out there. Especially if you're going for the dream logic end of right, things. Like, right, right. Then things don't need to make sense. They do, yeah. There doesn't need to be an answer for every, like, why are you doing this? What is going on? Yeah. Like, I, I honestly think that this is probably blasphemy for the people who actually enjoy this movie. But <laughs> I think you could remake this movie and give it to someone like uh, Panos Cosmatos, the guy who did Mandy. Oh. Because this, like, this has, like... I feel like you put his thing onto this concept and yeah, you're going to yeah, get a yeah. really trippy ass weird movie. Right, which is I think what we were saying we wish this movie had more of. Yeah. Like more of a of a a vibe for lack right, of a better word. Right, yeah. Um Or did you ever see The Void? No. No, The Void's cool. No. I okay. I might want to do that as a wild card. Ooh. But The Void has it's it's got um a, uh it feels a lot like uh, the thing kind of where it's like okay. a one location there's kind of crazy monsters and then oh. the end the end has this sort of like dimensional crossing sequence that feels like it is of a piece to this yeah except I actually enjoy that movie yeah um I do have to just say that Mike and Jody's house is insane Oh, really? I didn't notice. Can we... <laughs> please please elaborate. Okay. Um, there's some great 70s shag carpet in that house. Yep. I don't know if you noticed, uh, the stairs have like green and yellow shag carpeting. No, I noticed the carpet in Mike's bedroom. Which is I like didn't. bright red. Yes. Also, either yeah. a very deep plush or like shag carpeting. Do you, do you remember when they're getting all the guns ready? Where... Um, Jody's telling telling Mike gun safety tips such as uh, don't <laughs> never aim a gun at a man unless you're willing to shoot him. Yes, I and always that, yes. shoot to kill. And warning shots are bullshit. Yep. <laughs> if you pay attention, Jody. Fun fact. Yes. Cop now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, their guns are out on display and unlocked just for like anybody to go play around with. Yep. Second of all, the living room, if I remember, has like a dark green plush carpet, Mm -hmm. uh, a fireplace with the guns above it, and like the front half of a taxidermied cougar mounted on the (laughs) wall. And it like, like in like a tack position. It is the most batshit insane house I have ever seen, and I kind of love it. Yeah. It's, it was just so weird. I'm just like, whose house is this? Like who who decorated this? Who is paying for the house if their parents their are parents dead? Their parents are dead. Jody's planning on leaving town. And he had been out of town before. Yeah. That was the whole thing was he like somebody says to him like, "Oh, after all the uh, the action you've seen, all the adventures you had, this place must be real really seem like a dump." Sure. Yes. Yes. So it's like uh, d- d- is this Mike's decor choice? Because if so, I mean, I mean is, I'm into it. He is dreaming it technically, so it might be. Yeah, it is. It's literally his decor choice then. Yeah. And I, you know, I I saw somewhere someone describe this as uh, a movie about grief, and I don't really know if I could go that deep on it. But like, I think you could. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do do you think that tracks and kind of 
um, validates the way that they do things in this. Because if the if the story here ultimately is that Jody Mike's brother is dead, yes, and so you could extrapolate out and be like, okay, well, the thing that he's the, the movie that we're watching is this dream that Mike is having about how he's reconciling the death of his brother. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Do you think it? Do you think it works? So I, I think it could have worked. I, mm-hmm. I don't think the way it's done quite pulls it off. But this is this is what I was talking about, where I, I said earlier that when it got to kind of towards the end, I was like ready to sort of reassess. Sure, like I was willing and ready to kind of be like, oh, maybe I misunderstood this movie, and that is when there's sort of the the tall man has been defeated and then we move into this scene where it's Mike sitting in front of the fireplace talking to Reggie who prior to this we thought was dead Mm -hmm. and it's clearly Mike explaining everything that just happened to Reggie and Reggie saying you know it was just a bad dream like you you gotta let it go you can't dwell on these things capital A acting in that scene yeah seriously I mean I, I do think that's one of the issues with this movie is that like <laughs> some great ideas, some not so great writing and some not so great acting. That's fair. Um, but you know, when it, when it got to that point, I was like, okay, like Mike even says something like, well, you know, first, first he took my parents and now he's taking Jody. Right. And it's like, yeah, if, if, you know, they, if his parents died a few years ago and he was a little kid and he has like these sort of vague memories of like, the funeral home, the funeral director, the mortician, the tall man. Sure, yeah. And burying his parents, like, as, say, you know, like a seven or an eight-year-old, yeah, that could be really traumatic. And then having your brother, your last living family member, get killed in a car accident, yeah, I could see that bringing all that back. Like, I was very willing to go with that sort of, this was all a dream, but there was like real trauma behind it. Mm -hmm. And then the movie sort of undercuts that by having the tall man show up in Mike's room and attack him at the very end. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, okay. So it wasn't a dream. Well, as we've learned from our extensive (laughs) deep dive into Friday the 13th. Yeah. uh, Logic is less important than a jump scare. Yeah. At the end of a movie twist ending. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it could work as this sort of like dream nightmare grief meditation thing, but I don't I I don't think it's that's that's one instance where it's like I think they explain too much. Yeah. Like if they had leaned more into Jody and his brother and uh you know, you know, spent had more imagery of of the the uh, the funeral parlor and all that kind of stuff. Or like, yeah. in in your in your the synopsis that you read, I think the first thing it said was something to the effect of people in town have been dying mysteriously. Yeah, that's not something that happens in this movie. No, one person dies mysteriously. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, if if there had been more of a pattern or even if we had gotten some sort of hint that like that like what Mike was seeing wasn't real. Yeah. You know that there was some level of like cuz there there's some stuff where only he sees it, but then he always has proof. To show to Jody or right, Reggie or whoever. Right. 
I, I would have been more interested if he was seeing some weird shit like beyond just the tall man mm-hmm. and like couldn't prove it because I think that would give give more credence to the like it was a dream idea. I also very much wanted at the very end there when Reggie is like, you know, we need a change of scenery. Go pack your bag. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's blow this popsicle stand. And he picks up the guitar as Mike runs upstairs to go pack his bag because uh, he's like a cool hippie ice cream man just starts jamming just starts jamming i would have loved some hint that he was the bad guy sure like i mean he does have a similar haircut to the to the tall man yeah i would have yeah i would have kind of loved you know maybe if he just like they'd been looking at a picture of jody and he like casually tosses it in the fire and like it's like you know yeah like some sort of ominous like okay maybe this was all a dream but there is actually a real a real threat like a real life physical threat yeah or you know maybe reggie was driving the car or something yeah yeah it's too dark i don't know i don't know there i just feel like there was potential to kind of take it somewhere if you're gonna do the 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 twist ending of it was a dream and then add a twist on top of that of and now jump scare like you could have done something with with like not just undercutting your whole reveal of it being a dream by then having like the dream enemy is right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we start to wrap it up? You told me you mm. took extensive notes on this, and I want to make sure we hit as many as, as you. As you <laughs> I mean, we've hit about. we've hit most of them because okay. most of my notes are just like, "What the fuck? What is this? What? Why? What?" <laughs> um, there were some choice quotes in this movie. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned a couple of them for like, you know, fear is the killer. Yep. Um, warning shots are bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I have both of those things tattooed on my back, actually. Oh, do you also have uh, I don't get off on funerals <laughs> tattooed on your back? No, but I have an appointment. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do remember saying to you as we were watching this, I'm really glad Jody does not get off on funerals. Yeah, doesn't he? He's like, I don't get off on funerals, yeah. man. They creep me out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird fucking What movie. a poet. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one, the one uh, benefit or um, ad- addition to pop culture that I, that I can really say makes this movie absolutely necessary in the in the canon of great films mm. if this is a true trivia aspect is uh that apparently the song ace of spades by motorhead was released the year after this film and is reported to have had its origins in the film oh, what? at a new york screening of the movie lemmy was heard to have muttered that mike's head looked like the ace of spades and then spent much of the rest of the film writing out the lyrics in a notepad not really a ringing endorsement for the movie. <laughs> I am so confused. Apparently, so Lemmy from Motorhead went to see yes. Phantasm. Okay. And he thought Mike's head looked like the Ace of Spades. What? And then was bored enough with the movie <laughs> that he spent the rest he of wrote it a song. writing Ace yeah. of Spades, yeah. the song. Yeah. Yes. I'm a little confused how somebody's head can look like a spade, but sure. I don't know. Lemmy Why did not? a lot of drugs. That's fair. This is not, like this one. Okay. If you're you know messed up, this movie's probably great. Maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah. So this this has uh, uh, five sequels, I believe. Excuse me. I think five, four or five. I have That's seen. A lot. I have actually seen all of them except for oh. part two. 
I made sure that I was thorough because I was like, this series, I hate this series. I have to make sure that I truly hate this series. Um, Shutter was running on, on uh, uh, the last driving with Joe Webb Briggs. They mm. did, uh, I think they did parts one and six or something. Okay, and and just they they had parts one, three, four, five, and six, or one, three, four, and five, however many there are. So I've I've made my way through all of them except mm-hmm. part two. Is that purely because you haven't been able to find it, or because it's, you've been avoiding it? It's never streaming. Huh? I've never seen it streaming on something where I can watch it. And supposedly it's the best one. <laughs> They're trying to force you to spend money on it. Yeah, which I think I'm going to have to crack and do. Maybe I'll, maybe I can buy it on DVD for like four dollars or like three bucks or something. <laughs> um, but uh, and I I know that I know part two becomes more of like an like an action movie kind of. It it does. It's actually it was actually eight years later. Uh, oh or wow! Almost almost ten years later, I think, because it was 1988. Oh wow! Jeez. Yeah. And uh, it has a, I, I think it has more of a um, post Evil Dead Two kind of feel to it, where I know that one of the recognizable elements is Reggie has like a, a triple barreled shotgun that he uses or something. <laughs> they're, they're, the movie basically becomes Reggie in the Barracuda with a cool gun oh. fighting off the tall man, and the the the, the balls get increasingly crazy. <laughs> and then there's a gold one, and then at some point oh. you find out that there's little brains inside of them. It, it gets yeah, it gets it gets silly. Huh. Um, but yeah, I would like to eventually see Phantasm Two. I would love sure. to be able to come away and go. You know what? Phantasm Two is pretty good. <laughs> That's part of the problem. Is like I like I went into this movie so ready to be a fan. Yeah. Like, which is why it sucks that I've done nothing but shit on this movie for the last hour. But I, I genuinely don't know what else I like. I don't really have many nice things to yeah. say about it, except there's like, there's some interesting ideas and the tall man's a pretty good villain, especially pitted against a kid mm-hmm. as, as a, you know, protagonist, but I don't, I don't got much else than that. Yeah. I think this movie probably works better if you see it when you're probably around Mike's age. If you catch this yeah. movie, if you caught this movie like late at night when you were a kid, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Talk about dream logic. This would be one of the ones we've talked about before where you see it when you're really young and then it's you don't really remember it. And when you're much older, you're like, what was that movie? Yeah. With the creepy funeral guy and the silver balls that drilled into your head. Somebody would look at you like you were insane. Especially in the days before everything being so readily available all the time. Yes. You're being able to just Google something. Yeah. If you were to like, if you're watching like Monster Vision on TNT Mm -hmm. and you watched Phantasm and then like three years you were like, yeah, what? I think I remember like these balls that, sucked your brains out yeah and there were little guys in cloaks running yeah. around attacking people i i can imagine it uh, occupying a much better space of your memory yeah than than now where it's like you can see yes all the cracks you can see all all the uh missed opportunities and and uh yeah and this one's much better in theory than it is in reality yeah you know yeah i bet fantastic trailer i bet you could cut a fan yeah tra- you take True. take the song, bring it all full circle. Take the song Ace of Spades, <laughs> cut a three and a half minute music video to Ace of Spades using Phantasm. I bet it fucking rocks. I, I bet that's true. Um, so yeah, this was uh, um, number 190 on our list. 
Do you think it deserves to be higher, lower, removed uh, completely? I would like to preface this by saying mm-hmm. the list has shaken up a bit again. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I would very much like to know why. We have to start like keeping tabs on yeah. everything. Uh, did I mention the last time I mentioned the shakeup, I mentioned that American Psycho and Black Christmas were off the list? You did. And I am very, very upset about Black Christmas being on yeah. the list. This time, almost every movie has shifted one spot lower towards 200. Huh. Yeah. I don't know why. You can't, Not pin, everything. you can't pinpoint the one that, that jumped in up into the middle? I tried to scroll through and see if... I Because it's usually like if it's a new movie or something. Right, so right, right. So I was right. like, well, what had just come out? Well, Candyman came out. So I searched Candyman. Only the original Candyman's on there. Hmm. I didn't see it. And I searched 2021 to see if there were any other new movies. Nothing popped up. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what caused it. But huh. there has been a little bit of a shift. Um, if it were me... Yeah. I would take this movie off the list. Yeah. If it were if it came down to Black Christmas or oh my Phantasm, God. get out of here, Phantasm. Yeah. Yeah, I would boot this off the list for Black Christmas. I kinda like I kinda understand it if you're going by reputation, why this would be on the list, because the tall man and the spheres are such a, like an iconic thing. But Sure, but you know, that's not enough for me. I was just thinking, is is Friday the 13th even on this list? No, it's not. Yeah. No, no it's not. Yeah, come on. Yeah, get, the, okay. get the fuck out of here, Good Phantasm. Yeah. <laughs> Take a hike. Get in that car. <laughs> get in that mausoleum. Leave climb town. Climb back into your coffin. Seal yourself up in your crypt. We're, we're, you know bury what? yourself get... in a mine shaft with obviously fake boulders. This get entire episode is us grappling with the grief that Black Christmas is no longer on the list. <laughs> Everyone listening to this is going to wake up and realize it was all a dream. <laughs> um, the only other little bit of trivia that's kind of fun is that J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams, co- co-writer and director of ep- Star Wars Episode 567, had to do the math in my head, The Force Awakens, <laughs> revealed in an interview that... This is where Jawas come from. <laughs> I wish. That he came up with the name of, the, of Captain Phasma after seeing the chrome design because it reminded him of the ball in Phantasm. Eh. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not? JJ uh, Abrams, get out of here. But yeah, I think I think that's going to do it for Phantasm. Um I hit the randomizer button. Beep boop beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. And next up, we're going to be getting a little bit more tightly scripted. Ooh. Uh with number 107, assuming the numbers stay the same, hmm. which is 28 days later. Yeah, which I'm excited about. I haven't watched Ooh. that in a very long time. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. I feel like I needed I needed something uh, something real good. Yeah. After yeah. this one. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. I haven't, I haven't nice. seen that in a while. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. If you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file, where uh, if you sign up for our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of podcasts, not only from us where we're doing, Amanda and I are running through the Friday the 13th series. August brought us Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, (laughs) and September will be bringing us uh, Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. I actually, I forgot to tell you, when I was in, I was up in New Hampshire, I was at Fun Spot. Yes. I was at the bar in Fun Spot, and I had my (laughs) um, Stephen King's pen from Jason Takes Manhattan shirt on. Yes. And uh, the bartender actually asked me what the shirt was. 
mm-hmm. and I froze because I was like, how do I describe this <laughs> quickly? Yes, and without I, making this bartender regret that they asked me. Yeah, and I said, uh, have you ever seen Friday the 13th Part 8? And he went, <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> don't then worry about don't it. Don't worry yeah. about it. But it was, uh, I, I do enjoy obscure shirts and references, but the, and that's a pretty obscure one. The downside is you have to explain it when people ask what it is. It's usually a family member. Usually, I go to like a family <laughs> gathering, and my uncle goes like, "So, uh, what's that?" I'm like, well, "Do you know who David Cronenberg is?" <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got a whole bunch of podcasts on on the Patreon from our uh, uh, sister show, The Penske File. We've got our Friday Thirteenth coverage. Thank you guys for listening. Yes, thank and, you. And uh, we will see you next time with 28 Days Later. Bye, everyone. Hopefully in we'll, less than 28 days. We'll see you 14 days we'll later. We'll see you 14 days later <laughs> with 28 Days Later. Bye. <laughs>